There goes that man's jock strap. <laughs> oh my God, did you see that? <laughs> America's team? Yeah, right. Oh baby, it's a big day in sports. There's nothing like battling it out with your teammates all season long to go win a championship. Green Bay's got it this year. Huge move for him. I think it's gonna be a game changer. We have a lot to talk about this busy week in the sports world. Welcome to the In a League of Their Own podcast. Tired of wearing the same pair of old boring golf shoes or shoes that don't have any grips out on the course? Now you don't have to worry. Head over to Golf Kicks. They customize all types of shoes from Crocs to flip-flops, sneakers to boat shoes. Wear them in style while you rip it up out on the course. Head over to golfkicks.com and use code OWN20 at checkout for 20% discount on your order. That's OWN20. Screw your shoes. Hello, hello. Happy Friday. Happy Friday. Excited for the weekend here. Big weekend, NFL. Nearing nearing an end, but also the beginning of the most exciting time. Yeah, it is. Um, like I said, a lot, a lot of games to go over this weekend. Um, again, super wildcard weekend. We'll be diving into those individually um, and kind of giving our predictions for those. But uh, just kind of the whole scope of the NFL is where we're starting for today. Uh, my first question for you, um, kind of sticking with playoff teams, which non-division winner in the playoffs do you think has the best chance to make the Super Bowl this year? So Steelers, Raiders, Patriots in the AFC, Niners, Eagles, Cardinals in the NFC. Which of those teams do you think is the full package that could go the distance? I'm going to say the Eagles and the 49ers both, I'd say, have an equal chance just by how they play. Both their quarterback, obviously, Jimmy G, question mark on what you're going to get out of him. Jalen Hurts, this is his first NFL playoff game. What we see out of them, but they both play physical, a really physical style game. Um, both which are going to give both the teams that they play this weekend a lot of trouble. So I, th- I think both of those teams are – equal in a chance to get there. I don't really see the other teams having much of a chance. Yeah, the two teams I'm kind of looking at, 49ers, I agree with you on that, just because their defense, if Jimmy G can play up to his prime, they have a really good shot. I mean, they were just in the Super Bowl a couple of years ago. But the other team, again, pending a lot of their young guys, Patriots, they have the defense to do it. They have some offensive weapons. It's all going to come down to is Mac Jones able to be thrown to the dogs in his rookie year and stand the test against Chiefs, Titans, Bengals. They're going to have to play one, if not two of those teams um, down the stretch here. So um, I don't know. I think, I think the Patriots are going to have some troubles under QB just with, again, Mac Jones not – having the experience, but if he's able to kind of prove the haters wrong and keep a level head, I think that's the other team at all, at all levels of their on the field that could have a chance to go the distance. Yeah. And they are without their starting left tackle. That was just announced an hour ago. He's out this weekend. Yeah. I mean, it's cool to see we got two division matchups in the first round here, Pat's buck or Pat's bills and cards Rams. So two teams who will be playing for the third time this season. Um, 
I remember correctly, they split each of the games in the regular season too. So this is kind of the Both of them. Yep. rubber match of, okay, who's actually the better team and when it matters most to either keep your season going or you're going home. So, yeah. Sounds good. Then keeping the playoff talk alive here. Steelers, Ben Roethlisberger, just the other day, basically in a whole bunch of words, kind of summed up and sounded like the Steelers didn't have much of a fighting chance. Do you think that they shot, they have a shot to upset the Chiefs now that they're back to full strength roster at the beginning of the year when they did take down the Bills week one? Do I think it's going to be a blowout? No, because I I, I think a lot of these these I mean I, I can't remember what the I think that that game has the biggest spread. I want to say they're double digit uh, underdogs in the game, and I want I think that it is the biggest spread for a team to cover this weekend. Uh, yeah, they're twelve and a half point underdogs, and the next closest is Eagles Bucks. Bucks are eight and a half point. Um. Do I think the Steelers are going to win? No. Do I think that they are going to keep it closer than 12 and a half points? I think that they have a good chance to just because of their defense. Um, as good as the Chiefs have looked like the last five, six, seven weeks, that DNA of them shitting the bed is still there. Like they have all the same guys. They didn't go out and snag a handful of guys that helped turn their team around. They just found a way to flip that switch and start winning games again, that switch could easily be flipped back and they start playing like ass again. Mahomes starts making bad decisions. The, again, Steelers defense, so long as they stick to the send three or four, drop seven or eight into coverage and force them to make really tough throws, they could have a chance to win the game. But also when you have TJ Watt, you have some of these other guys who really got to get into the quarterback do you really only want to send three or four of them? I don't know what kind of the blitz rate is of the Steelers, but for the talent they have on that defensive side, I feel like they're a team that likes to send six, seven guys at the quarterback, like in the, in the right situation. But again, I mean, they have the Steelers defense is going to be what's going to keep them in this game. Um, I mean, on offense, they have a couple guys that like Juju Smith Schuster is in the window of getting activated. I don't know if he's been officially activated for this weekend, though, yet. Oh, he's been practicing. They're just waiting to activate him. I believe they were going to tomorrow because they play Sunday. So I think that the what I heard was that they were waiting to, to go through tomorrow's practice, and then I think they were going to do it after the game tomorrow because I think you have to be 24 hours ahead of time in order to play. Yeah. So, I mean, getting him back would be huge. Just, I mean – their number one receiver, getting him back. It's anytime you get your number one receiver back, it's huge. But then, I mean, Fryermuth, their rookie tight end, Harris, the rookie running back, at their primes, at their height, going to be really good. But also as a rookie, first playoff game, you don't know what that, like those nerves are going to bring. So um, there's a lot of question marks on the Steelers. Obviously, with the spread and the way things are looking, there's a reason why they're expected to lose by a big margin but if they get all their rookies to show up and play at the at the prime that they have shown at times this year and get juju back at at like a good level i think that they keep it within one score but again all of the cards need to fall right for that to happen 
Do I, but either way, I don't think they get blown out by 13 points. I think that they keep it within 10. Yeah, I actually think the Steelers are going to upset the Chiefs now that Clyde Edwards-Hilaire is out of the game uh, this weekend. They're also without their safety. I know Tyree Kill will play even if he bears any setbacks. And there's one other player, too, that was injured that is going to play no matter what, even if they have a setback. So their their offense is going to be working at 80% full strength. Their defense, their rush defense, is terrible. Um I just feel like the Steelers, the smash mouth type of football that they do play, this was the one team that the Chiefs didn't want to draw. Yeah, and I mean, I feel like two. if you're the Chiefs, I feel like there's been a handful of times. I mean, other teams do this too, but I feel like the Chiefs, more, more often than not, teams that they're supposed to beat by a big margin, either they barely sneak out the win or they end up coughing, up, coughing it up. Um, I mean, like early in the year when they had a really bad start, teams that they were expected to beat by one or two touchdowns, run away with the game, they were losing those games outright. Um, again, by the hands of Patrick Mahomes. We'll see again what, what Mahomes does. I mean, the playoffs is kind of when he comes alive and plays his best football. But like I said, the DNA of them playing not very good is still there from just a couple months ago. It's... They found a way to suppress that, but it was not to say the Steelers can bring it back out of them. And they did play uh, the day after Christmas, and Kansas City did win 36-10. to 10. However, Ben Roethlisberger only played three quarters of the game. That's when he got banged up. Najee had almost 100 yards. Like, that was the first game where the Chiefs took that stride of, okay, we're going to bounce back now. And that was against a depleted Steelers team at that. I don't know. I just feel like this is we got the makings for a good one. Yeah. Because you only beat the Broncos by four the last week of the season. Like, I don't know. Yeah. Um, again, sticking with the playoff talk here, uh, my question over the NFC. Packers, again, one seed, won't know until early next week who they're going to be playing, what day, what time, things like that. Obviously, depending on how, how these games turn out, this might change the, the answer to the question, but which NFC team are you most scared to face if you're the Green Bay Packers? Both the Eagles and the Niners. Um, they're both equal in, in why I said equal for them to get to the Super Bowl is how they play. They run it down people's throats for 200 yards, and you can't. there hasn't been a team that stopped them yet. Um. They play smash mouth football, hard physical type of football. They play fast. They control the clock. Both of those teams control the clock like Green Bay does. So it doesn't work out well when you play a team that plays a similar style of play style. Like clock management, taking the play clock down to zero, one every time. Like that's what the Packers do. That's what these other teams do. And they run it a clip eight, eight, eight yards at a time and – if we ever get into the position where we would miss a, a field goal kick or miss a, an extra point or not get a touchdown, get only get three, and we let these teams bleed out the clock and we don't get the ball back, we're looking at a similar, similar situation to week one when the Saints blew us out. We only had the ball four times all game. Mm-hmm. Like, those. that's why I'm scared of those two teams because all the other teams are high power, score in one play, let's go where those two teams literally slow it down. 
Yeah. Four times? That's all many times that they had the ball? In in week one. They had a bit more than that. Two in the first half, two in the second half. Rodgers didn't touch the ball. Here, I'm going to go back to it. Because he even talked about say, it on the Pat. He even talked about it on the Pat McAfee show. Earlier I, was say, Ro- I feel like Rodgers had to have got more chances than that. I mean, he threw two picks. But... Because that's what he was talking about as far as keeping the ball and stuff on Pat McAfee's show earlier in the year. It's about you can't win when you don't have the ball in your offense's hands. Punt, punt, field goal, interception, interception, turnover on downs, punt, punt, fumble. They had it nine times. Which is way still like, okay, maybe I got the number wrong, but still the amount of times that we got the ball was way down compared to the amount of time that we normally have the ball. Yeah. When they had the ball for 25 minutes. Well, when normally I, we're 35 plus. I'd say that's more, well, just because of turning it over and downs and interceptions, nine is a lot. Cause if you turn those into points on every single drive, if you get a field goal on nine drives, that's 27 points. Yeah, we you know went I mean? one, for, one for 10 on third down and only had 14 first downs. Yeah. So, if anything, they had the ball a lot more than they usually do because nine – if you turn if you turn half those into touchdowns, five touchdowns and four field goals, that's 40-some points. Yeah, but just as far as, like, having the ball, time of possession, that game we only had a 25 minutes when we're averaging 38. Yeah. Oh, yeah, it was just bad clock management. But which is the teams that we're playing against play the same way that the Packers do is controlling the clock. Like I, that was the point that I was making. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, I would agree. I guess the two teams I'd be scared of face Eagles. I mean, basically anything that runs the ball well, just because the Packers run defense has not been up to par this year. That's but I mean, the defense as a whole has been stellar compared to, to past years. But I mean, every team, no team is perfect. What's what's one team's Achilles heel? Packers, it's the run defense. Um, getting Zadarius Smith back is going to help kind of set the edges. Um, Jair Alexander, um, not not one of the first line guys to make a play on the on, a, on the run, but has the speed to stop a big run from breaking for a touchdown. Fills holes well when they do keep them tighter in the box. Um, I mean, they have all the right pieces back that they could suppress these teams. I mean, as much as I'm like scared to face the 49ers or Eagles, if you can hold them under 150 yards total rushing, you're going to win that game because they don't have anything else. You force the ball in Jimmy G's hands. He's shown that he makes bad decisions with the ball. Jalen Hurts, when you force him to throw, he again, same same ballpark. He's not known for standing in the pocket and gunslinging. So, um, yeah, I don't know. I'm, the other, the rest of the teams. I mean, we give up an average of one ten yards a game this year on the ground. That's not bad. Total that is one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, ninth, tenth, eleventh. Oh, so they're a top half of the league for run defense then yep 
And the teams that are ahead of us, Ravens, Titans, Bucks, Saints, Bengals, Rams, 49ers, Washington, Eagles, Colts. Eagles and Colts both ahead of us. Um, That's where the Packers, too. We rely a lot on that run game, too, to be able to get yards. And so Rodgers doesn't have to throw it every single oh, yeah. time. You know, so it's uh-huh. like we're playing against really good run-stopping teams as well. Which, which I, it's funny. So seeing all the debates of MVP this year and people like, but Brady has more touchdowns, more yards. Yeah. In an 80 to 90% passing offense. Like it just, it's hilarious seeing all those comparisons still made that it's, it's not about numbers. It's about efficiency. When is he throwing the ball? He's throwing for touchdowns and not, no interceptions, but yeah, I mean it's a good it's a good mix. I mean the Packers are really like 60-40 with the like pass over the run. Like they're very even keel. I don't know what exactly their their number is of how often they run the ball, but it's more than I think people would expect. Oh, they got Aaron Rodgers under center. They pass like they pass the ball a lot, but they they honestly don't. I mean, looking at his pass attempts, I think he's a full 80 or 90 attempts short of Stafford and Brady. That's two games, two games less of passing attempts, essentially. So, but again, Rams pass heavy, Bucks pass heavy. Um, which kind of, again, putting, putting that much pressure on Brady. Yeah, he's delivered. Yeah, he's got a lot of touchdowns. Yeah, he has a lot of yards, but also interceptions, not being able or his Achilles he'll be in the Saints of not being able to move the ball against really good defenses. Um, I don't know. I mean, obviously that that whole whole conversation of MVP is wrapped up at this point. We won't find out until the night before the Super Bowl as to who wins, but now it's kind of a, a fresh slate, all that pressure of I got to play well to win MVP, which I'm sure – the guys who are in that conversation don't care about winning MVP. Jonathan Taylor, Tom Brady, Aaron Rodgers, they're not, oh, I need 50 more yards this game. Otherwise, I'm not going to be considered for MVP. Like, they don't care about that. But, but yeah. I guess one thing I didn't notice, the Packers, we gave up the third most passing touchdowns this season out of any team. Damn. 31. I feel like because they get out to lead super early in the first half for like second quarter, third quarter, they're up two or three scores. Teams are airing it out to try to catch back up. So that kind of makes sense. The bills have only allowed 12. Jeez. Yeah. Packers defense passing. We allowed 3,724 yards, dude. Bills only have allowed 2,771. They have allowed 12 touchdowns and they have 19 picks. <sighs> Fuck. <laughs> but it also but yeah. helps getting to play the Jets and Dolphins twice a year. <laughs> True. Even though the Dolphins did almost make the postseason. Yeah. But the time, the time, I think they blew out the Jets both. They played them by... and they played the Dolphins early in the year when they suck too. Yeah. Yeah, if I remember, all four of those games were 40 to nothing, 30-something to seven, like... And then they lose to Jacksonville, nine to six. Yeah. I said that game was still... Every time you checked it, it's like, oh, nothing happened. Oh, nothing. Hey, somebody scored a field goal. 
10 more minutes go by, nothing happens. Like, I don't know. The, the Bills are, again, one of those teams that, I mean, they have pieces, but it's like there's such a big question mark with, I mean, a lot of the AFC teams. It seems like it's almost a curse to be at that number one seed, that number one spot, because the second you take it, somebody's knocking you down, and it's a huge upset, and you're falling back down the ranks. Yeah, it is. It's, it's going to be a wild playoffs. And then my last NFL question, what team currently without a head coach will be the first to sign their new head coach? Bears, Broncos, Texans, Dolphins, Vikings, Giants are currently the teams without head coaches at this point in time. I'm going to say the Texans because I know that they just interviewed Brian Flores, former coach from Miami. And from what I read, it went really well. They liked him a lot. I could see them, them announcing that they signed him over the weekend or early next week. Um, again, to me, it was still really head scratching why the why Miami got rid of him two winning seasons, barely missed the playoffs. Um, ton of injuries across the board and still a really young team. I think that there's a lot of other fingers to point out other than the head coaching position because we'll see next year. I, depending on who takes over in Miami, they could be its bottom five team in the league after getting rid of Flores and realizing, oh shit, he was actually like keeping us afloat and giving us a chance. But I think that the Texans see the success that he did in Miami. They're like, these guys messed up. We like him a lot. We're going to jump up jump on and get them. So I think the Texans are going to be the first team to sign. Um, I did not really, I mean, a lot of the other teams are, I've seen, oh, they're going to meet with this guy today they're meeting with this guy tomorrow. Um, but I haven't seen any come out and say, oh, this interview went really well. And they, it seems like they really like this guy. So, but I mean, anybody at any moment, I mean, Somebody could be me, like the Bears or Vikings could be sitting down with somebody right now and an hour after, hey, like you're our guy, come back, like we want you. So, because I know the Bears and the Vikings also were interviewing Flores, and he has a career record of twenty four and twenty five. I I was gonna, th- I think the Dolphins are actually gonna be the first team to sign a coach because they're right on the fringe of getting in the playoffs. They have their team basically ready to go whole bunch of young guys. I Bill O'Brien is the name that's been circling in the loop. He did, he did a tremendous job when he was, um, when he had a court, you know, look at what he did with the Texans when he had the Sean Watson and that team, they were in the playoffs every single year. Granted, they got knocked out the first round almost every time by the Colts, but still they at least got into the playoffs every single year. I feel like he has the same, type of Tua's got the same type of mobility and throwing capabilities as a Deshaun type Watson. They do have a young team. Their defense is excellent. I feel like that's going to be the team that is going to sign a guy first because they they're the closest to getting where they need to be. Yeah. I don't know if Bill O'Brien's the guy though. Like, yes, he has success in Houston, but also he traded away JJ Watts and DeAndre Hopkins for pennies on the dollar. Like, that's just bad management on his part. Because that was a weird situation where he was the GM and the head coach. 
so he made the decisions no matter what so he just like what like yeah he he helped bring the texans to the playoffs a couple years but also is he going to go to miami and clean house get rid of tua like you know what i mean does he go at like there's just that question mark of is this guy going to run our team into the ground if we go after him okay maybe i'm a smoke on that i don't think maybe he doesn't become the head coach but maybe he does go down there i know eric Bieniemy from the chiefs is a high prospect of wanting this job same with josh mcdaniels even though we've seen josh mcdaniels leave before i believe right he's left New England before who was the guy who left to go to the Lions and then came back? That was um, was that McDaniel's? No, no, he it was Matt Patricia. That was Matt Patricia. Yeah, but those are two names underneath the Belichick tree that both have been interested in the job, and they have a team basically right there ready to go. Yeah, and just looking, I guess for the for the Dolphins, just because I was curious since I th- thought their team. Eric Bieniemy betting odds is the best odds right now to become the head coach. Um, same and Josh McDaniels, they both actually have plus four hundred odds. Yeah, if honestly, if Bill O'Brien was smart, he'd stay in Bama. Like, you're still gonna make your millions. You're instead of working with like the next best best person to work under, other than Bill Belichick. Nick Saban, obviously a top five coach. I mean, if you're looking at the whole scheme of football, um, I, I mean, maybe he'd make a little more money in the NFL. You get a little bit more eyes on you because the NFL is a little is bigger than college football. But also, you're at Bama. You have a chance to win a national championship every single year. You take the risk of going to a team like <clears throat> the Dolphins, the Bears, the Vikings. Who knows how long until – or if ever you sniff a Super Bowl going there. So um, he kind of, I honestly forgot he was there. It, it was weird to see again with kind of how things turned out in, in Houston, he goes to Alabama and fits right in and they have one of the best offenses in the nation. So obviously the guy's smart. He knows what he's doing, but again, it's just his team management and the, the, everything that happens behind the scenes of what, how a team is run. It's kind of the question mark that I have on him. There's only been one successful GM and coach ever to do it in the business. And there's been like 18 or 19 guys who have tried and Bill Belichick's the only one who has been successful. Yeah. I feel like there's just too much on your plate where you can't do it all yeah. unless you're a football God like Bill. Where you dedicate your life and you look like a zombie at points where it's like, cause I don't think Bill ever got married. Did he? Yeah, he has a wife. Does he? Yeah. Oh, he never wears the ring. Because I know I've seen videos of... Divorced, 06. Oh, because I was going to... That makes sense, because I remember back when Randy Moss was there, they had like a Halloween party, and he, Bill Belichick and his wife went to the party just as pirates. <laughs> so I remember at one point in time, he was married, but yeah, divorce. I mean... Obviously, it sucks, but it makes sense. I mean, look at the guy. Ex-wife and her net worth is two mil. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure it's I'm sure it's more than that as the years go on, and that dude keeps ra- racking up the money. But I mean, when you dedicate your life to something that much, football, non-football, anything, like I'm sure, late nights, not coming home, he's sitting at the facility watching film, like just that typical like guys never home and won't 
ever not stop thinking about football kind of thing. But well, that's what a lot of athletes deal with too. And that, and when they're done, they're usually when they make their Hall of Fame speech or retired, they really thank their family because they weren't able to be around. Yeah. They weren't able to to put the time and be there because they were, had a job to do. And when you do something like sports or whatever the case may be, if you want to be really good at it, you can't be half in, half out either and make a career out of something. So, yeah, that's one thing a lot of athletes slash coaches talk about is the really good ones aren't aren't there around a lot, like, for their family. Yeah. I know Shannon Sharp talks about that a lot, how – that's the first thing he did when he got drafted to the Hall of Fame was literally, I'm sorry, family, that I wasn't able to come to Thanksgivings, Christmases, birthday part. Like, I had a job to do. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, they're wrapping up our football talk here. With the Super Wild Card Weekend, six games on the slate. We're going to break down um, and give you our winners for each of the six games. So, um, kind of going in order here, starting with Raiders Bengals. Who do you got getting the W in that one? Cincinnati. Yeah, I uh, I agree with you. Cincinnati uh, Raiders kind of snuck in. Um, them along with the Steelers, kind of two of those teams that quote unquote shouldn't be there, kind of thing, just because they had to have a bunch of things fall their way to even get there. Um, Bengals are rested, not playing a bunch of their guys week eighteen. I think that they roll. I think that they that game or Bucks Eagles could be the biggest, um, the most lopsided games this weekend. Agreed. Next, we got uh, one of the two division matchups in the playoffs: Pats Bills. Who do you got? I got the Bills. I got the Bills as well. Um, I think it's going to be a really close game. Again, two really good defenses. But Josh Allen, Mac Jones, that's going to be the difference in this game. And Josh Allen is, I feel like, who 90% of America would roll with as well right now. Yeah, and it's going to be very interesting tomorrow. Actually, supposed to be frigid conditions super windy again just like when they had the running fiasco game hmm now that i saw that as far as the weather but do the bills let it happen twice now that they have all this film of how they can stop it yeah i'm gonna say yeah i just don't think so bills it came too far i feel like yeah earlier in the year maybe but with how they've turned around and leading the defense or leading the league with defense, defense wins championships. Mm-hmm. And then the last game for Saturday, Eagles Bucks. Um, what do you got? I got the Eagles. I'm sticking with the goat. Um, Again, how we talk all the time, can't bet against Tom Brady, Nick Saban, or Bill Belichick. So I'm going to keep doing that until, well, actually, I take that back. That got proven wrong earlier this week in the national championship betting. I bet against them and got it. I'm feeling it right now. I feel like they're going to go down. I feel like all three are going to go down in a week. 
Saban goes down on Monday, Belichick goes down Saturday, and as well as Tom. I mean, as a fan of sports, that'd be really cool to see because it's just like, finally. <laughs> but I, I still think Tom gets it done. It's just as good as the Eagles team is. Um, I don't know. Like the Bucks have some missing pieces too. They're not at full strength. Their defense isn't quite up to par that they were last year. But I don't know. Yeah, I'm not going to bet against Tom. And that I forgot. I, did you say that game was tomorrow? You said the third game for Saturday? Yeah, isn't it? No, it's the first game on Sunday. There's three on Sunday. Two tomorrow, three Sunday, one Monday. Oh, yeah, I forgot that they have one on Monday. The yeah. first time ever, because normally it is three and three. Yeah, that's yeah, that's what I just thought. I was like, all right, three, first three, last three. But yeah, forgot about that. Uh, then our two or our three Sunday or other two Sunday games, 49ers at the Cowboys. Who the do you boys got? or I'm taking San Fran. I think this is gonna be the biggest upset of wild card weekend. Um, I know I always shut on the Cowboys. I mean, I as good as good as they are, like number one D or number one offense. Yeah, you drop 50 points on two of your division rivals, but again, it's the NFC East. Like, take it as you will. Um, I don't know. I think that the 49ers defense is going to give Dak problems. Um, they have Trent, Trent Williams at left tackle. I think he's going to keep Micah Parsons at bay all game, only allow maybe one or two pressures on the quarterback. Um, at 49ers, I think – like, like we talked about earlier, Eagles 49ers with the run game. I think they just run it down San Francisco's throat. Kyle Shanahan is the offensive mastermind. He pulls a couple of tricks out of his sleeve, some trick plays, some double pitches, some motion, all that. I think that they, they get it done. And like I said, biggest upset of wildcard weekend. Yeah, I actually think the boys are going to win this one. Um their defensive speed matches the 49ers run game, how they like to do reverses, wide receiver jet sweeps, all that type of stuff to get defenses moving side to side. They ex basically expose the Rams for that. They can't cover that Cowboys team speed is way up there. Like, cause like you said, Trent Williams can block Micah Parsons. But then what about D law, Randy Gregory? What about the other guys coming through as well? I think the Cowboys edged this one out due to a, a Jimmy G turnover. I think he's going to make a stupid turnover in this game just because his hand's not even fully healed yet either. Yeah, I think this game's going to be a lot – like, I, they, they match up really well, I think. I think if the, Cow, the Cowboys, they would have wanted the Cardinals again. They would have wanted – well, even though the Cardinals beat them, the Cowboys made – some mistakes I th in that game I that think they, them. I think they got exactly who they wanted. I think they got lucky with their first round. Yeah. Just because of the quarterback. Quarterback health. Like, he, if how well is he going to be able to grip the ball and throw because his fucking pinky or whatever is detached from his bone? <laughs> like, mm -hmm. same injuries Russell Wilson. Russell missed, what, eight weeks of the season? Jimmy G's back and playing with the same injury. It's like, how effective can you be? Yeah. Don't get me wrong. If 
they will win if their running game literally dominates. Like if their running game dominates, yeah, I don't think. Do you think if we see a double-digit deficit but on the 49ers and at halftime, do we see Trey, Trey Lance make an appearance to try yeah, to save the game? Yeah, absolutely. If there's any sign that Jimmy G's a potential hazard – I say they go to Trey Lance. You have nothing to lose. You've gotten this far. Yeah. You got in as a wild card team on your last, you know, on a loss that last week of the season. It's just like they won. Oh, they beat the Rams. Yeah. At the end, overtime, interception, sealed the oh, game. Fuck, that's right. That's right. We were watching that. Um. Yeah, I don't know. I just. I could see Trey Lance getting there sooner than like making an insert sooner rather than later, even if they already have design packages for the guy to come in and run the ball, do whatever the case, just to change things up for Dallas's defense. Cause yeah. they like to send the guys after the quarterback. Yeah. It makes sense. For, yeah. Like you said, they already have, they already bring him in handful of times a game. It makes sense if they bring him in, maybe double that eight to 12 times a game, just cause there's no footage on the guy. There's probably, what, 10, 20 plays of footage on Trey Lance in the NFL so far this year. Not There's not a whole lot. So you bring him in, in a formation that they haven't shown yet this year. You catch a Cowboys off guard, shit, he's in. We don't, we haven't seen this formation yet. What do we do? That's a, it's a way to catch him off guard for either a touchdown, maybe on a third and short to get an easy first down, like, yeah, if they're smart, they either way we should see a help like a good amount of Trey Lance, whether Jimmy G, Jimmy G struggles or they just bring him into the game plan for some different looks. Uh, you know what, dude? After thinking about it here, I'm gonna go Niners as well. I just think it actually it's gonna come down to the Cowboys, not the Niners run game. I think it's gonna come down to the Cowboys running game. How much can Zeke and Pollard do? And they haven't been doing shit lately. Dak hasn't shown that he can win a game gunning it out, throwing it out. I'm going to join you on the 49ers. Because I think the 40 or the Cowboys are kind of in that same boat as the Eagles to where they need 180, 200 yards on the ground to have a chance. Because like you said, Dak. Dak Cowboys, was, you said? Yeah. The Cowboys. They're 29-0 once if they get over 100 with Dak being their starter. Okay, so then they even less for them, but I don't. I don't think a hundred, like under 120. I don't think they have to get more than 120. I'd say, as a team, um, just because, like, like you said, Dak's gonna win Comeback Player of the Year. Hats off to him, like coming back what he came from. But I think that you force you put the ball in his hands. He's proven he makes mistakes. And McCarthy's a fucking terrible time management guy. Yeah. Like they're going to lose the game from some botched. Either by running the ball three times and punting. If it ever comes to a crunch, like end of the second quarter, if there's like a minute left, it seems like he runs the ball once or twice and just goes to halftime where Aaron Rodgers is licking his lips. If he's got a minute on the clock and one or two timeouts, any, any other team besides. Yeah. They just, yeah. Like you said, to score. And you need the ball going to halftime, and it's like, okay, end of the game comes, shit, we're down two. If he would have went for a field goal on that drive, we'd be up right now. I don't know. 
I still think it's funny. Like, good for Mike to get another spot in the NFL, but it's like, I don't think he's going to – he's not going to be the guy that would – Dak and Mike, either of them on their own, but the two of them together, I don't think it's going to be a combination that's ever going to win the Cowboys a Super Bowl. One, if not both of them, have to go. Yeah. I think it's Mike. I think Kellen Moore, honestly, should probably be the head coach of that team. Yeah. But he's, like another he's guy calling the – He's the another guy that's up for same with same with Hackett, Rogers quarterback coach. I know he's a big name. That's but he's a he's a coordinator. Yeah, in Denver, I know on the McAfee show earlier this week, he was hoping that he gets the job out there. Like he's that it's great to see organizations like he's like he said, it's like it's great to see your coaches and stuff move on to get head coaching jobs, other places that mean your organization has done a really good job, mm-hmm. but it sucks when you don't have the people in place to replace them when yeah. they do go where he was very happy with the guys who are below those guys who are going to fill in and take the spots if they do get these jobs. And that's why I, I fully believe he's going to stay regardless of what happens mm-hmm. this year, but I can yeah. see moving on if and when Rogers moves on. Who, who moving on? Nathaniel Hackett. To where he stays he stays until Rodgers either retires or goes to a different team. And then here's my resume. This is a guy I've worked with for X amount of years. And then he'd get a head coaching job. I mean, there's how many ter- – eight, five, probably, what, five to eight head coaching positions of turnover every single season? Well, there's six right now that are open. Yeah. And then just think of how many at the end of the year are going to come. Yeah. Well, plus the Raiders to throw in that equation. And all the coordinator jobs as well that those people get done with after the year. It's like, there's a lot of jobs that open up. Yeah. But yeah, uh, going to our last two games here then Steelers chiefs. Um, again, the biggest spread of wildcard weekend. I think the Steelers are going to win. Yeah, I'm going to stick with the Chiefs still. I think, again, it's going to be a closer game than 12 and a half points. I think the Steelers keep it within one possession. But, I mean, like you always say, defense wins championships. And I think that, I mean, for a lot of these, a lot of these teams, Bills, best defense, they have the edge over the, over the Pats. The only defense that's not in the top like twelve is the Chiefs' defense. Yeah, but what I was going to say is the Steelers. The only way the Steelers stay in this game is due to their defense. Yes, defense wins championships, but also you hold the Chiefs to seventeen points, but your team only scores seven. You're going to lose a game. You know what I mean? Like you need you need offense, and I think yes, they're getting guys back. Big Ben might pull something out of his sleeve. Maybe he's not showing his cards. Oh, we don't have a chance. We're going to snow out there and have fun. He's going to go out there and play maybe his best game we've ever seen him play in years. But I don't know. Chiefs haven't given me a reason to, to go against them um, just with the, the momentum they've built over the last uh, couple weeks here. So, yeah. Yeah, I, 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 I would have picked the Chiefs if they wouldn't have had Tyreek getting hurt, their safety getting hurt, running back out of the game, all these question marks coming up. And when there has been question marks around the Chiefs this season, they've lost. 
when they've no doubtably all oh, they got their shit together here they come yeah no doubtably every they win when there's question marks they just haven't pulled it off and i feel like i don't know just like you said dude i feel like big ben's gonna pull something out of his ass that defense tj watt's gonna show why he's gonna win defense player of the year make fitzpatrick's gonna make like that team's loaded with a lot of people who are superstars that you just don't hear about because of their record this year. Yeah. Yeah, and then our last game on Monday, um, Cardinals-Rams, NFC West matchup. Uh, who do you got in that one? I got the Rams. That's who I'm rolling with as well. Um, I mean, despite the question mark of Matthew Stafford, is he going to – Turn the ball is, over too many times. Is JJ Watt gonna play? Yeah, that too. Um, I I just think the Rams kind of again the momentum they built over the last couple of weeks. They win the division. Cardinals kind of haven't been able to get back to the football that they played when they started the year seven and zero or eight and zero, whatever it was. Um, yeah, I think that the Rams. It's, I think. It's going to be a close one again. Anytime you play your division three, a division rival three times in a year, you're going to have really good games. Um, yeah, Rams at home, I think that they get the win as well. Yeah, I think this is going to be – this this game and the Bengals-Raiders game, I feel like are going to be the two. Actually, and I'm going to throw the Bills in there as well. I could see the Bills whooping up on the Patriots like they did the second time that they played – earlier in the year. Um, I could see all three of those games being two score games. Like, I just feel the Rams are going to put it down the Cardinals throat. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, all, all going to be really good games again, it's playoffs. So all these teams deserve to be here, whether it was by dominating all season or getting in by the right tiebreakers and criteria, they're all here for a reason. So, um, yeah, three days of football, playoff football this weekend. It's going to be fun. Absolutely. Then moving over to the hardwood here for the NBA. Um, kind of something that's been trending lately with one of the league's top guys, Steph Curry, um, kind of his play lately. I guess kind of the question is, do you think he's cursed? And Because since passing the all-time three-point record, he's been on a decline including last night's loss to the Bucks, where he went four for 11 and only scored 12 points. And he's had multiple games under 15 points, some in single digits, shooting 20% from the field. I guess, what do you think is going on with the Warriors and stuff right now? I do think that he is going through a slump. I'm not going to say he's cursed eternally, but I'm going to say him breaking that record definitely put some dark clouds above this guy and this team. The teams went from the top to middle now. What are they, third, fourth? They're second still. So. Oh, they're still second? Yeah. It's sun, Just by the fashions that they're losing, I should say, the fashion that they're losing, they don't look like they're a top team. They yeah. look like they're – they look like the Pistons. Yeah. Yeah. Like, literally, they, they look so bad. After watching the game yesterday, they look like a team that doesn't deserve to be out there right now. Yeah, I mean, if the playoffs started right now, I definitely would not be – I'd see the Warriors as a first-round exit. Um, 
they have plenty of time to turn things around. They just got Clay back a week or two ago or last week. Um, trying to still mix him in, mix him in. He's hasn't had a breakout game yet. Um, I mean, if Steph figures things out, Clay gets conditioned and gets back into the swing of things. Both of those guys play at their highest level. They could go back to the top of the West in a matter of a couple games. So, um, yeah, def- it's concerning the decline that they're on because there's teams below them that are surging up, but they have time to figure it out. Yeah, I agree. Then speaking of last night's game, which you just mentioned, Giannis dropping a 30-point triple-double. Is he the MVP right now? Yeah, I would say that he is. Um, just with the the play of the net, like the Nets right now, they're kind of hitting a slump. KD isn't quite playing up to the level that he was two or three weeks ago. Giannis is the first player to ever drop, what was it, 30-point triple doubles in less than a week or something. It was yeah. Some, some stat like that. Um, Bucks are getting traction. Again, they beat a really good Warriors team. Again, Warriors a little bit on a decline, but nonetheless, they're the Warriors. They have – look at the roster that they have. You can't um, count them out ever. Um and yeah, they're right where they want to be, kind of that second to fourth spot in the East, flying a little under the radar. Nobody's really still talking about them. Everybody's still high on the Nets and Bulls in the East. Um, yeah, I think I think right now, if the season ended, I would say Giannis gets MVP. I would agree. He's dominating. And it's again, it's it's all it's all about the runs of the game. Steph was undoubtedly MVP. What? month and a half ago it's like nobody, up until he broke the nobody's record t- yeah nobody's nobody's doing what, what he can do and then, then it was kd a for a little bit then yeah. kd hit his little shit streak and now Giannis is and, and that's then the once thing, Giannis, Giannis says his well that's he doesn't the thing, have Giannis, a decline <laughs> he never has a decline it's either 30 it's 30 point games or, th- or 40 point games or 20 like, point game triple doubles yeah like there's no decline for him it's just Everybody likes to see the, oh, he scored 50. He scored 50. It's like, Giannis doesn't need to score 50. Like, he's got. The position he doesn't, the position he plays to is different than the other guys, too. Like, he's not shooting it every time like KD and Steph are. So, it's even more impressive when he gets that many points. It's been cool seeing there's been a couple highlight assists that he's had with no-look passes across the court. Giannis is kind of developing that to his game now, too, where. I mean, fi- finding an open guy without looking at him, like get knocking down easy corner three, stuff like that. That's all stuff. He's, that he's growing. He's yeah. growing. It's like we saw a little LeBron evolution. It's the same type of evolution. As you get older, you add the little attributes to your game, obviously, because he's coming into his prime too. Like he's not even in his prime yet. He's coming into it. Like yeah. how good can he get yet? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, my second question for the NBA here, talking about, again, another hot team, if not the hottest team in basketball, the Memphis Grizzlies. dude. 11 win streak since we talked about them, like, two and a half weeks ago. Um, They now sit just three games back from Phoenix and a game and a half back from the Warriors with, I think, eight or nine games left to play this month for the Grizzlies. Do you think that they could take the number one spot before the end of the month? I think that's a little... 
much to get it by the end of the month, but I do see this Grizzlies team ending up the number one seed in this Western Conference. Like I'm about to, I'm about to buy myself a jaw jersey. I think like. <laughs> I feel like we've become a Grizzlies podcast, dude. Like we've given them a bump. I feel like yeah. we got to support them. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it, and they it, get it. They get it done by committee too. They're not a one guy team. No, like these other team, the Warriors. You know, they're not just two, three guys. They're a full team, just like Milwaukee is. And I feel like they're gonna make it pretty far. Yeah, and I mean the biggest thing about the Grizzlies too, a category that I think they're either first or in the they're in the top three of is points in the paint, which is crazy that John Morant averages more points in the paint than I think KD, Giannis, LeBron, some of these guys. He like leads all, all a lot of these guys in points in the paint, and the Grizzlies are number one for points in the paint in the NBA. The other is field goal attempts per game. The Grizzlies push the pace. They really good transition fast I think fast break too they lead the NBA it's like 18.7 points per game of fast break points where they just steal rebound boom flip that switch and get get down court where you get an easy look at the basket on a fast break if you're averaging almost 20 points a game off the fast break fast break are some of the easiest points to score because either you're one-on-one with some space or there's nobody and you get an easy basket so between dominating the paint and being really good at the fast break, the Grizzlies, I mean, they don't have, they don't have a top, I think they're what, like fifth, like 15th or 16th for total defense or, or just points given up at least. So they're not a top 10 defensive team, but they're second or third for offense. So, I mean, in the NBA, you don't need the best defense. You just, so long as you can kind of keep some teams at bay, but you can still drop 120, 130 points on them night after night, you're going to keep winning games. Yeah, they're the third for points scored per game offense. Jazz, Hornets, Grizzlies, Lakers, then Bucks, top five. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, yeah, it'd be tough. It's possible because, I mean, it's nine games left. If the Grizzlies don't lose a game, all they need the the Suns to do is lose three. Um, which again is a tall, like the Suns are still playing really good basketball. They're still a top team in the West for a reason, but I can see next month in February for sure. If the Grizzlies yeah. continue their, continue their dominance, they could be first, second week of February where they're, they're at the top of the West. And that's one thing that we always forget too. Phoenix Suns also have four games in hand compared to the Grizzlies. Oh, really? I didn't they've only that. played four. They've only played 40. Grizzlies, almost every team there. Toronto's got 38 games played. Chicago's got 39. Phoenix has 40. Philadelphia has 40. Pistons, Denver, Atlanta, 40. Then a whole bunch have 41, 42, but 44. There's only three teams in the league who've played every game. Grizzlies, Bucks, Kings. Well, everybody's played every game. There haven't been any. Well, they've had postponed games yeah but they've made those up already right but then toronto like toronto hasn't played is six games less played than the grizzlies because of postponed games oh just like phoenix they had a huge outbreak of and they had to postpone as well same with the bulls and that's why they still so they're three games back now but if phoenix wins four 
then they're seven games back even. Mm-hmm. But also with those games to make up for the Suns, they're going to have to play back-to-back nights a couple times to make those up. I mean, playing back-to-back nights is never, never fun, um, hockey or basketball, whenever they have to do it. Uh, I don't know how, what their kind of their record is on back-to-back nights so far, but. They're four and two on zero days rest, 20 and four on one day's rest, six and one on two days rest, one and one on three days rest, and 0 and one on six plus. So the longer they rest, the worse they get. Seems like the quicker they play, the better they are. Yeah. But still, would you see they had their four and two? Yep. In six games played that they have of back to backs. Well, on zero days rest, they're four and two. So two two of their nine losses have come playing back to back nights, which is a quarter of your losses, pretty much. <laughs> and four of them came on one day's rest. So that's half. Yeah. So when they play, when they play back to back or one night, one day off, they, they're not the best. I mean, I'm sure that go, that's the case for a lot of teams. No team, yeah. no team is going to be perfect playing on zero days rest. That's just not possible, especially depending on how your record falls. You could play back to back top teams, both that could be two losses back to back for you. Um, just looking at the box student. They're three and five on back-to-backs, 18 and 10 on one day's rest, four and two on two days rest, and perfect when they get to rest three. So they they aren't as good playing back-to-backs. Yeah. Yeah, but like I said, if you go across the board to every team, I guarantee that there's not a team that's played more than four games back on back-to-back nights. That's perfect right now, probably. Yeah, you could be right. I mean, it's it'd possible. Take too long, it'd take way too long yeah, to look. it'd take too long to look, but it's like, I don't see it. Like, looking at the rec- – if there's a team that was like 40 and 5 right now maybe, but like <laughs> – but yeah. Here we go. Oh, never mind. That was last year. And even last year, no team was perfect throughout the whole year. There was close. Utah Jazz were 12 and 2 on back to backs. And who's this other team? Clippers were 11 and 2 as well. Otherwise, yeah, 12 and 5, 8 and 7, 7 and 6, 7 and 10. Like, it's, they're not very good. There's not, there's only like no. four teams that did good back to backs. It was just because usually on back to back nights, the second night, you see a lot of your bench players get a lot more looks. So, unless you have a starting five that can come off your bench, <laughs> like, it's going to be hard to win back to back nights consistently. Yeah, it says for betting, like betting facts for this year, on average, rested teams, teams who have over a day of rest, have won 51.8% of their games. Teams who have gone back to back have won 43.6%. So odds are on the team that's got rest. Yeah. Oh, that actually looks... Article popped up below that NBA is actually looking 
a way to reduce the number of teams that have to play back-to-backs going forward, like for next year. Yeah, I mean, I feel like Which would be nice, dude. Like we mentioned, cut the games down, spread them out a little bit. Yeah. So everybody's 100% every single game. Yeah, and it makes the, the games more fun. To, like, I I rarely watch a full game of basketball. I'll t- I kind of – I'm always looking at scores to kind of see, oh, this team – how this team is doing against this team, that, that, and that. And if it's, like, mid-third quarter and it's a back-and-forth game between really two good teams, I'll throw it on and watch the rest of it. But other than that, these games aren't really that fun to watch right now just because it's like they don't mean a whole lot until you get down to the last, like, 20. Yeah, and especially with how these conferences are as tight as they are this year. Obviously, West is a little bit of a different story because the first four are basically in already at this point. (laughs) It seems like we're in the East – like the Bucks current position, they lose two or three games in a row. They could end up eight, nine spot. And we're still super good. Like the East is rolling this year, which ties into my next question. Miami heat. Do you think that they take the number one seed in the East at some point during the season? They're currently two games back behind the bulls with And they have two more games played than the Bulls. Hmm. They have one last game than the Bulls. Or no, wait. Never mind. I was looking at wins and losses. Um, I don't think they do. I think that Brooklyn figures it out. Bulls stay hot. Milwaukee jumps them. I could see I could see Miami finishing fourth or fifth in the East this year. Still good. I mean, honestly, it seems like whoever's that one seed in the East the last five, six years is not, doesn't make it to the finals just because everybody's gone in for them. It almost seems like it's better to be in that two to five range, honestly. So. Yeah. I was just saying, do you think that they are sitting in the number one seed at least for a day, a week, whatever, at some point during the season? No, I don't think they do. All right. I, like I said, <clears throat> they're playing really good basketball, three-game win streak, and the, the Brooklyn and Chicago team ahead and behind them are both have lost their last one. Brooklyn's actually four and six over the last ten. But, yeah, they're within – yeah, Brooklyn's a ha- or Brooklyn's tied. Milwaukee's half a game back. I feel like both of those teams jump them at some point. Sounds good. Yeah, I just thought after the Heat's big, their last three wins, beating the Trailblazers, pounding the Suns by twenty three, pounding the Hawks by twenty nine, and then they play the Hawks again today. Which should be another easy win because they just got rid of Cam Reddish. They sent him to the Knicks, which I feel like they're kind of the, the Hawks are starting to realize, okay, we're 12th, 12th in the East right now. We're 10 and a half games back. We're three games out of the play in tournament. Let's start to kind of build for next year. Cause I think they got, I can't remember who they got, but they get a first round pick for him next year. So, um, and the Hawks with the heat twice in the next seven days. 
after they just got smoked. <laughs> yeah. So that could be that could be two two easy wins for the Heat or for anybody going forward. Just because as good as Trey Young is, he can't win you games by himself. And now that they got rid of Cam Reddish, a guy who they leaned on a lot over the past couple of years. I mean, in high, hindsight, it's always twenty twenty, but in the, at the moment, it looks like a bad move for the Hawks. But I mean, for yeah, the Knicks, it's a bad good move, move for them. the Hawks. They play the Hawks. They play the Heat tonight. Knicks tomorrow, followed by the Bucks. So they're in for a three game beat down. Hmm. Yeah, sounds good. Then moving over to the ice here. Um, those darn Oilers, uh, now losers of five straight, and they have only two regulation wins in their last 13 games. Are the Oilers too far into this shit streak to make a playoff push, or do you think that they still find the way in as a wild card? I mean, for how many games they have in hand? But the games that they've, like – no matter how many games they have in hand, they're still losing. You know what I mean? Yeah, but that whole division, that whole Pacific division is sh- fucking sucking right now, except for the Kings. They're all on losing streaks. Bad. Um, I think that they, this this conference outside of one team, the Golden Knights, now that they're kind of getting back healthier, I think it's an open crapshoot. I think... They're not out of it yet. Even Vancouver is still not out of it yet. I think that they still have a chance. You have one of the most dynamic players in the world, two of them that are on your team. All it takes is for them to get things going to run off a 10-12 game here in a row. So I don't think it's too late yet, especially like I said. they're Right now they have a three-game cushion on the Kings who are only seven points or excuse me, five points ahead of them. So they win three games. They're in that third spot. Yeah. I think, I think that they get there. Yeah. I think if they make the postseason, I don't think that they, I think they get in as a wild card though. I don't think that they get in and as a top three team at this point anymore. Um, Cause I mean, Calgary was playing really good too. At one point, they also have the same amount of games played as Edmonton and they're two points ahead. So they're a game ahead with the same amount of games played. Um, yeah, I think, I don't know. I think the kind of the way it looks right now, I could see Vegas getting in no matter what ducks as well. And then either Kings or Calgary being that third spot. And then Edmonton still sneaking in with a wild card spot, I think. I agree. I think the Sharks are going to be the odd man's out of that top six in that yeah. Pacific division, and it's going to be – but the Central division, the, as good as they're going right now with teams turning their stuff around, and you have the Avalanche, Wild, Jets, Stars, only with 33, 34 games played, that's even less than the Oilers. Like, most of them have less than the Oilers in their – Six points. Nine points. Like the Wild are, like the Avalanche are nine points ahead with one less games played. Like it's going to come down. The Stars are cooking. Like honestly, if they don't finish in the top three in the Pacific, they ain't getting in. I think the Central is going to have both wild card teams. Yeah. 
Yeah, that's true. I didn't even think of that because right now, 44 and 39 would be Minnesota, Minnesota, Winnipeg, which would be ahead of the uh, Sharks and Calgary. So, yeah. And they have less games played. So, they have a potential for, to add more points to that. Yeah. yeah. I didn't even think about that. So, yeah, basically in the Pacific, top three is the only way. If to you're not in. top three, and that's always usually kind of how it goes to with the Pacific because of the easier – I'm not going to say it's easier teams – like easier teams, but you just have the shit for the travel. Like the Pacific Division, you you have the most terrible travel out of all of the teams because you have to go the furthest to get everywhere all the time. And – that's why we typically see the Metro, the Central, the top teams in the league because partial of that is travel, not much wear and tear on your team and hours and jet lag and all that type of stuff. So, yeah, I, Central's too tough this year for more than three Pacific teams, I feel like, to get in. Yeah. And on to my um, question here, sticking with the Pacific, the Kings – found their way in that third spot. Um, nobody expected this from how basically their yard sale year a, a few years ago after their exit in the playoffs, got rid of a lot of veterans, especially my boy, Jeff Carter. They moved on from a lot of people, young squad. Nobody thought that they'd be in this position. They're now in the third spot. Do you think that they continue to shock the world and end up getting in? to the playoffs yeah i mean kind of like we were just talking about that that pacific um it's been kind of a, a rotating door of who who's going to the or who, who's at the top for a while it was uh the ducks the ducks kind of slid the, the knights moved up um calgary was at the top to start the year with edmonton they're now in the fifth and sixth spot it's just been a, a rotation. Um, the only team I could see knocking the Kings out of that third spot would be Calgary right now, honestly. And they're only two points back with three less games played. But Calgary is also on a four-game shitter, which I could see them continuing that. Yeah, I think I think that they could hang on to that third spot, if not take the second spot from the Ducks, because again, they're two points back from the Ducks and two games less played. Yeah. And Calgary's off until next Tuesday still. Yeah. Which they have their games when they come back. They have the Panthers, Oilers for Battle of Alberta, Blues, Blue Jackets, Blues, Canucks, Stars. So they have eight games immediately that are against good teams. Yeah. Yeah. Then I think they just yeah. lost to the worst team in the NHL before their break. Sens beat them four to one. Jeez. Yeah. I think they keep sliding. I think Kings keep rolling. Yeah. I th Kings could be second or third in the Pacific. I think. I don't think that they fall out. I'm going to agree. I think that they take the second spot. They've proven that they can beat some of the top teams, beating the Rangers three to one, beat the Penguins six to two. They beat the Capitals this year, three to two. They beat the Hurricanes, Panthers, Lightning. They've beaten all the top teams. 
I think I think that they stay in it. They built Daryl Sutter's done a great job with that team. Yeah, yeah. I mean, early on, like you said, nobody was really they weren't a breath in a conversation as far as a top team in the Pacific, let alone the entire NHL. And now they're right in the mix and playing some of the best hockey. I mean, a three-game win streak. What is that tied? Is anybody else? Yeah. Well, the the Bruins have a four-game win streak. Otherwise, there's a couple other teams with a three. So they're on one of the best streaks in hockey right now, too. Yeah. And also to mention the Kings, which got to give them a shout out. Their trainer becomes the first female staffer on an NHL bench in NHL history. So shout out. It's awesome. And my last uh, hockey question here for you, uh, after being almost a Sherlock in the Metro a month ago, the Washington Capitals um, are on a four game shitter and sit just two points ahead of the pens who have a game in pocket um, for that, that third spot in the Metro for a lock for the playoffs. Will they survive and hold on to a top three spot or will they fall into the wild card mix? Cause I mean, after, I mean, after Pitt, like it's basically I'm in Pittsburgh cause they have a 12, a 12 game or a 12 game, 12 point lead over blue jackets and then 14 over Flyers. So I'm just looking at the other division. You got the Bruins who are at 34 games with 44. Oh, you were just talking to the Metro. Yeah, just the Metro. Do they stay, do they secure his top three spot in the Metro or do they end up uh, testing their luck with the wild card? Oh man, because it's two. It's a, it's a, it's, two wild card it's a spots, tough. Right? It's a tough call. It's two wild card spots, right? Total. Yep. The top three in each division, and then it's just the next two highest points so, in mean, the conference. I mean, the, either with the third spot or a wild card, the Capitals would be sitting fine because after Boston, they have a seven-point lead over Detroit, who has four more games played. And then it, Detroit's got only one more than Capitals. I'm Bruins. Bruins in Detroit. I'm saying they have a they have a, they have a seven game lead and in four less games played. So basically, Bruins can kind of separate themselves and bit make that top four in the Atlantic, like kind of a cutoff point. And then the same in the Metro too. After Pittsburgh, they have a twelve point lead over the Blue Jackets. So basically, I mean, obviously it's not a lot because there's still a lot of hockey to be played, especially with games to make up. But right now, the Atlantic, Tampa, Florida, Toronto, Boston, Metro, Rangers, Hurricanes, Capitals, Pens are kind of almost a sure lock at this point with the lead that they've built and having less games played than the teams underneath them. Well, and the Islanders, you can't keep them out of the conversation because they have like 10 games to make up. Yeah, they have 29 plays. And they're on a three-game winning streak, too. Yeah. So, uh, I think I think the Capitals do end up making the playoffs. And I think they do secure one of the top three spots in the Metro. 
I think we could see the fuck dude it's just so hard like they score more goals than the other teams but they give up way more goals than the other team it's just like I'm gonna actually I'm gonna say they get the wild card they're a wild card team just due to their goaltending they don't have the gold surefire goaltending that they used to have when they had Holby yeah yeah I'm gonna agree with that too and especially because I think where they they lead the league for overtime losses with nine so, yeah, but that's nine points that they got, though, compared to but losing also that's regulation. How many points that they should have had in regulation, too. So it's like if they continue that, if they continue to go to overtime, yes, they're getting a point, but also teams under them like Pittsburgh and then in the Atlantic for wild card spots like Boston, like Detroit, if they can continue to get like Boston, they only have two overtime losses. So they're getting it done in regulation often. So yeah, I think that I, I think that Pittsburgh passes them, but yeah, I think that they get do enough to get in as a wild card. And then my last question here: Do you think Vegas wins the Cup this season? All the moves that they've made in the off season, bringing in Jack Eichel, the moves that they've made, getting rid of Flurry, keeping Leonard. Do you think they remain the top seed of the Pacific for the rest of the the year? And do you think they have? they have a great shot to win the Stanley cup. Yeah. I mean, it makes you wonder if they still had flurry, <laughs> if where they'd be at right now, but also again, well, they, trade deadline hasn't passed yet. It's <laughs> coming up. Cause I know that he, his name has been circulating in rumors to go back to Vegas or to Pittsburgh. Um, Boston too, like you talked about them, they just re-signed their goalie that they've had for the last twelve years to grass. They just re-signed him to a deal for like three three hundred thousand dollars. He's basically playing for free this year. And there's also David Krejci, their longtime one of their old vets who retired to go play back home. Rumors are also circulating that he will also be making a return to the Boston Bruins this year on a cheap deal. So they're almost trying to pull the Tampa Bay Lightning method of keeping two guys off your cap until you need them. Yeah, I mean, Vegas, I think they do win the the Pacific just because, again, with that division going the way it is, it's starting to to separate themselves along with the Ducks right now. Do I think they win the Cup? I think it's still going to – I'm still sticking to my guns. Preseason, Colorado, Carolina – um Stanley Cup Colorado 47 points with only 33 games played Carolina 50 points with only 34 games played both of those teams have an amazing chance to skyrocket to the top of the NHL once they get caught up with their games so I'm gonna still stick with those two for being a Stanley Cup final and both of them teams are on losing streaks Blue Jackets just blew out Hurricane 6-0 last night. Yeah, it happens. Yeah, it happens, but usually you don't, get, you know. But also, last, usually like, those top teams don't get blown out like that. But like, look at their last 10, 7, 2, and 1, 8, 1, and 1. Like, yeah, you don't want to have those blowout games happen just because it knocks down your swagger a little bit, but also in the long run, they're. T- Eight one and one and seven two and one, or I don't see any records better than those over the last eight games. 
or last 10 games, I mean. Yeah, I guess it's just the quality of the teams that they've lost to. Lost to the Canucks, lost to the Jackets, and then Panthers, yeah, you get your point going to OT. But it's just like, I feel like their COVID break is hurting them. They had all the momentum in the world rolling, and now that was a dead stop. That's just like, it's, this year is just so fucked for the NHL, dude. Yeah. Like, my Flyers team, every day is like, all right, four new kids tonight, stepping in the lineup. All right. (laughs) It's like, who's healthiest is going to make it, I feel like, to the end. Yeah. It sounds good. Yeah, I, I, I don't think that they win the Pacific. And like you said, Central's too tough. I don't think Pacific. It's, it's going to be a Central team in the finals. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, there's a couple of teams. That's, again, wild if they can figure things out. Dallas is starting to roll. Um, again, as much as I hate to say it, I think Tampa's gonna fucking three peat. <laughs> I mean, it'd be cool to see, but also it's like, especially like with watching the, the Patriots over that they, again. yeah, but the turnover that they have, they don't have the same guys every single year like the Patriots did. Yeah, so it's almost more impressive to bring in new guys and keep doing what you're doing. Yep, and taking guys from the team that you beat in the Stanley Cup Finals, they picked up two of them who've made a huge impact. It's like old guy, that's one great thing about the NHL is that you do have guys prioritizing winning over getting paid. Yeah. Where in the NFL, you do have the guys taking the paychecks instead of, you know, sacrificing a little bit of money to go have a great chance to win unless you're at the end of your career where you have young guys, you know what? I'll take a little bit less. Let's go win a cup. <laughs> yeah. But yeah. Yeah, and then uh, over into our other category here, some golf talk. Um, again, with the new PGA season just around the corner, will we see a golfer win more than one major this year? If yes, who will it be? Yeah, I believe um... – a couple of weeks ago, uh, we were talking about who was just going to win the thing. And I predicted Brooks was going to win the whole thing and he was going to win too. So I'm sticking with my guns. Yeah. And then I, I was, I was leaning with, with Morikawa for winning the whole thing. But I don't see, I don't, because when's the last time we saw a repeat? Major winner. It's been a couple years, hasn't it? Since somebody's won two majors in one year. I think it was Brooks, the last one to do it. Yeah. I don't know. I I think there's too many great golfers that, I mean, you got Rom, you got Brooks, you got DeChambeau, Morikawa. Mickelson throws himself in there (laughs) out of the blue once in a while, too. Um, It'd be cool to see a guy dominate and win more than one major, but I don't think I don't think it happens this year. Only 20 have done it in the entire history of the sport of golf. Have ever won more than one major in a year? In the same year. Yep. 
Tiger's done it four times. Then it was Padraig. Tiger did it 2000, 2002, 2005, 2006. Padraig Harrington did it in 08. Rory McIlroy did it in 14. Jordan Spieth did it in 15. And the last was Brooks Kepka. He did it in 2018. So it's yeah. been three years since it's happened. Yeah. Yeah, I don't think it happens. I think there's too many great golfers that they – like I said, it'd be cool to see somebody dominate them. Is with how good the field is to have one guy win more than one major. That's just amazing. But like I said, I think I don't think it's going to happen this year. Only reason why I do think that it does have a better chance of happening, even though it isn't, um, might not be Brooks. The no green books. The great putters are going to be the great putters every single week in and week out now, where there is no advantage for a guy who is a little bit better at math and calculations than other people. Yeah. So you're going to see the top putters in the end, if they're, you know, playing good, every single, you're going to see the same guys at the top of the leaderboard every single weekend, almost. Yeah. Yeah. It'd be fun to see how that plays into this year. Guys who, okay. They are that good. And guys who all right, they leaned on their green book a little too much. They're not as like good Bryson. As that was the biggest controversial person. Yeah. Cause he's again, big math guy. Is he super, super, like, for those of you who've watched the match, like, hearing him talk, and then when he did the thing with Brooks, like, oh, yeah, a little bit this, the angle this, oh, my God, this, the power of this, like, all these mathematical equations going on in a second, and Brooks is like, the fuck are you, t- line up and hit the ball, dude. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's going to be interesting to see. But my last question here, who is going to be the number one NFL draft pick next season? For a while, I was thinking it was going to be uh, uh, Thibodeau. I think that it's now going to be Hutchinson, the, another edge rusher again uh, out of Michigan. Just with – I mean, it ha- a lot of it has to do with, again, how, how you play to finish the season. Thibodeau kind of got shut down in games where he was supposed to be relied upon, wasn't able he was to hurt take the game over. Yeah. So between being hurt and not and the Ducks not finishing the year they wanted to, that knocks down his draft stock a little bit. He still goes top five. I think he's still projected to go first or second, depends on what person or what person is giving their uh, mock draft. But I think it's going to be Aiden Hutchinson to um, Jack- Jacksonville, right? They have the first pick? Yep. Yeah. Yeah, I'm going to disagree. I say Thibodeau goes one, and I say Hutchinson gets drafted by Detroit Lions and stays in Michigan at the second pick. That'd be cool. I I just think that that's going to happen. Keeping a Michigan kid in Michigan, obviously lifelong dream. Thibodeau, just the explosiveness of what he has if he's 100% healthy. You can't argue that he wasn't the best edge rusher in all of college football when he was healthy. Like he played with a fucking brace thing on like the majority of the year. Then their team, the Oregon ducks was in shambles anyway. So many people leaving their coach leaves. Like, I just feel like as a whole this year for all the ducks players in general, just 
didn't go the way you wanted to after the Ohio State game. It's like everything fell apart for that whole entire organization. Yeah. Um, but I, I'm still going to give the kid the number one. I think he deserves it. But I do think Hutchinson goes two to the Lions. Sounds good then. Uh, wrapping up here then with our last episode, kind of talking about college football, closing the book on that season. Just to kind of recap, anybody who hasn't listened to the last couple episodes, well, the last handful of episodes, we've been doing a coin flip generator, predicting all the outcomes of every single college football game. There ended up being 32 total. Um, and after the national championship, the coin had picked Georgia to win, and Georgia is this year's national champions. So the coin ended up finishing a perfect 16 and 16 as kind of we were expected to happen just with regular coin flipping. You're supposed to get darn near 50, 50 every time. And that's exactly what ended up happening. So that's cool how that played out. Yeah. And then I guess I do just have a quick trivia question for you here. Average draft position. Who do you think has the, the best, obviously the best would be later picks, but who do you think has the best average all time from like average pick position? Who do you think is as far as hot, number, number one, one or no closest to 32? Cause that'd be the, you're obviously your team did the best then. Like, who do you think has the average best average draft position as far as like best meaning lowest on the board? I'm going to say okay. Steelers or Cowboys. Green Bay Packers. Really? I was gonna... av- our average draft position is 30th in wow. the history of our franchise. The next closest is Tampa. They're 28.2. Then the Titans, 27.8. Chiefs, 27.5. Lions, their second average pick is 27.2 in the first round. <laughs> what the heck? Yeah, they normally have two picks in the first round, the Lions, for how bad that they've been historically as a franchise. Their number one pick, their average position is 1.8, so either they're the first pick or the second pick. Jacksonville is 1.2. They're normally always number one. Yeah. <laughs> then Houston is three. Jets are three. Houston's 3.4. Jets are 3.8. Giants are 5.2. Panthers are 5.6. Jets, 8.1. For their second pick, Giants for their second pick, average 8.3. Like, just going off of how shit these teams have been historically yeah. over the past, what, since Eli Manning has left? Pretty much, yeah. Since that boat pick with the, with the Odell, Giants, yeah. with Odell, they've, they're, they haven't had a winning season, and they're that, that picture is just cursed. And then it was hilarious. Did you hear how they fired Joe Judge? No, I didn't. They called a meeting to have everybody come, like all the people on the staff come there, and every showed up and said, get out, you're fired. That's awesome. <laughs> mm-hmm. Because, that, like, New York was pumping, oh, we're sticking with Joe Judge yeah, and whatever. They, for they the- announced they're staying with him and Jones. They fucking, some insider leaked that that wasn't supposed to happen. And I think... Obviously, it's all speculation, but there's rumors that Joe Judge was leaking shit to the media all season long. 
like behind closed doors almost. Cause obviously it's, it's a, it's a fucking position for them too. head coaches of leaking to the media, what they're going to do, getting, keeping potential jobs open, stuff like that. You know, like it's cutthroat business. Yeah. But if you don't get W's don't matter. No, that's hilarious though. All right, everybody come in, take a seat, except you get the fuck out. <laughs> You're fired. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah, they uh, Gettle- Gettleman he retired too, so it's gonna be interesting to see the Giants next year. They're kind of top down. They're gonna be having some new faces, reboot, which they need a lot. Yeah, it never hurts for a re- it never hurts. I don't think honestly yeah. when you're in the position that you're in when you don't even have a franchise quarterback, doesn't hurt. Because it makes you wonder who, if, what GM and what coach they bring in. Jones, get the fuck out of here. You suck too. <laughs> like, or hey, bud, we understand that you were a top pick. You're riding the pine pony. Yeah. Like you're gonna learn behind a guy that we're gonna bring in and show you how to play. Yeah. But yeah, dude, it's gonna be. I'm excited for this weekend's games. Yeah. Yeah, it's gonna be good. And yeah, thanks for everybody for um, stopping by. We appreciate all the love and support. We will have an episode releasing tomorrow um, for all those. Normally we do the Wednesday episode um, that is being released tomorrow. Um, You'll see why when you watch the episode and listen to it that way. So yeah, we're just going to kind of leave that off on that. We're excited. We have a new sponsor um, that also will be announced in that episode so go on and check that out that drops tomorrow at what noon noon uh yep 12 p.m central time tomorrow. 12 p.m central time tomorrow um our third episode will be coming out this week so go on over check that out all of our socials everything you know what to do we'll be posting all weekend long covering the games maybe even making up some mocks depending on some things that happen and yeah we'll see you guys all on monday Have a great weekend.